Have you ever been troubled reading Hebrews 6 where it talks about or it seems to convey the idea that if you were walking with God and you ended up turning away, that there's no way back to God, that God's not going to be able to renew you unto repentance. You failed so bad now, you're just miserably hopeless. If that's you, then stay tuned. Well, good to be with you in this particular study that we're looking at here. Um, I had somebody um, mention in comments that they had backslidden and they um, were trying to work through Hebrews chapter 6 and felt that Hebrews chapter 6 um, seemed to say that if you were to fall away from Christ, you know, and you backslid, then it's impossible to renew you to repentance. But then thinking also about the... Uh, parable of the prodigal son, which appears to be somebody that's fallen away and then is welcomed back with open arms. What are we supposed to do with those two things? So I'd like to go into Hebrews chapter six right now and read these verses to give you a little context and hopefully try and help you to understand contextually what's going on so that you can rightfully apply these verses to your life without being in a needless torment. So let's look at Hebrews chapter six. So Hebrews six, it says, therefore, Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible, and here's the verse, verse four, for it is impossible for those who have who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come of world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. This is the verse that. I, I've probably, I don't know how many people I've talked with, they, they think um, maybe I blaspheme the Holy Ghost. What about this in, in um, Hebrews chapter six? And I am in, in big trouble. Well, I want to give you a little bit of context here of the entire book of Hebrews. So we realized that in the early church, um, the Christian church was newly founded. Uh, they were not a majority at that time. So there was the Jews, the um, unconverted Jews, they had persecution um, from unconverted Jews. Then they had Jews that were converted, but they were dubbed as the Judaizers. They still felt like you had to keep some kind of semblance of the law of God in order to be accepted of God. And it appears to be a couple different places through epistles that these Judaizers that came in, Galatians, the book of Galatians being one of those where it's dealt with. And there is pieces of that as we go through a bunch of different epistles where we find that it seems to be that Judaizing influence was creeping into the church. And so naturally, Paul had to deal with that because it had crazy implications um, if that were the case. I mean, what does the death of Christ do for us if it wasn't enough in the first place? These are questions that have to be answered. So we go back here to Hebrews chapter six. Now, if you follow the whole argument of Hebrews six, in, or I mean, not Hebrews six, but the entire book of Hebrews, um, what is being said is that Christ is so much better than the law. That's the beginning stages. You get to chapter three, and it is making that application to what happened back in the Old Testament, where 
the children of Israel were supposed to go into the promised land. And instead of going into the promised land in their unbelief, it kept them out. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years in the desert and they were kept from going into the promised land. And why were they kept? Because of their unbelief. Um, And what is being said here, he applies that then to the Christian church who were previously Jews and still are Jews, but just had accepted their Messiah. He's saying, there's these Judaizing people that come in and influence and saying, you still need the law. You still need the ceremonial law. You still need all these other things. Um, Christ isn't enough. This is what's going on. So the church that found that Christ is all in all, these people that converted from Judaism to their Messiah, basically, uh, to accept their full Messiah, are now being questioned by these others that are telling them, uh, Jesus isn't enough. You need to be circumcised. You need to observe these high holy days. You need to do all these other things. And maybe even at some point still be sacrificing because the destruction of the temple hadn't yet happened, in which was in AD 70. So here, what is being uh, told them is Christ is enough. He's all in all. He's the fulfillment of all the law. If these laws could do anything, then uh, why don't we have the Levitical priesthood still anymore? If the or excuse me, if the Levitical priesthood could do this, why do we need a sacrifice like Jesus? And so, what is being what is happening here is these these Christians that have accepted their full Messiah are now being severely persecuted by the Jews. So, what their temptation here is is that maybe I'm missing something. Maybe. Maybe they are right. Maybe I do need something more than Jesus Christ. Maybe I've I've deceived myself or or maybe some of them knew that this really is the truth, but the persecution is so hot and heavy on us uh, to believe this from these Judaizing people that uh, I don't, I'm not sure I can bear up under the load of this. And they, it seems to be their temptation was that they were going to go back into that Levitical system as if Christ wasn't enough. So they almost in some sense had to turn away from Christ and go back to the law, go back to the ceremonial law. And so the warnings that are going all throughout this book of Hebrews is that Christ is enough. Do not turn back to the law because the law only points you back to Christ. So if you reject Jesus Christ and you go back to the law and the law is always pointing to Christ, where are you going to go? You're just going to crucify Jesus Christ, the son of God afresh And if you've already made your mind up to apostatize, to fall away, to reject him, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. You're in trouble. There's no hope. There's no help. This is the argument that Paul uses. So let's look again at Hebrews chapter six here. He says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. So this is speaking about people that knew the salvation of Jesus Christ. And it appears to be that during this time, I mean, first of all, it says they tasted. So they experienced God. It says they experienced the powers of the world to come. Now, in in Jewish phraseology, the world to come meant the time of the Messiah. So you can look through uh, the Midrash being one of them and, and various different other books um, a, a great resource for anyone to look at is um, Alfred Edersheim's uh, The Life and Times of Jesus, the Messiah, and the appendix in the back of that book helps to describe some of these issues, as well as it goes through all of the synoptic gospels, and not even just the synoptic, but also the gospel of John. It goes through all of the uh, the gospels uh, of 
Christ and in parallel, and then brings the Jewish understandings within it. So a great commentary, great resource. So what we find here is that these people had tasted the word of God. They had tasted the experience of salvation. They knew the living God. They knew the living Christ. And it says they also tasted the powers of the world to come. They tasted the gospel dispensation because the Jewish Jewish phraseology, understanding the world to come to be the times of the Messiah, he's saying these people knew the benefit of God's salvation through the Messiah. They had experienced it according to the scriptures. So they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. So these people were saved people. Now, this is where people get off into the weeds or this is where they feel very discouraged because they think, well, I did that too. I, I tasted of, of the heavenly um, gift. I tasted of the Holy Ghost and, and I tasted of the world to come and the powers of God in my own life, but I've squandered it away. I've, I've sinned away the grace of God and, and now I'm in big trouble because then if we look at verse six, it says, if they shall fall away, it's impossible in verse four and then down to six, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Um, some commentators have looked into the original Greek um, in saying that Beza, which was the one um, kind of making the conglomeration of Greek texts where uh, the King James Bible would have translated from, he put in this word, if, um, here that wasn't in some of these other original manuscripts. And it, it being in the Aor, Aorist tense would mean that something that happened in the past definitely, and the effects of it continue until now, he said it shouldn't they, it shouldn't read if they shall fall away from repent, or excuse me, if they shall fall away, but having fallen away, having apostatized, um, it's impossible to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Even, even if that word if was proper and should have should be there and should stay there. The sense of this is that if these people who had tasted the salvation of God turn away from it, this isn't talking about, you know, you backslid, you know, and you've fallen from, uh, you know, that, that saved state, you know, the, the power of God in your life and victory over sin, you knew what it meant to be born again, and you've backslidden, you're ending up into a life of sin again. He's not talking about this. He's talking about falling away. And falling away, in I believe it's First uh, Thessalonians, it talks about that too, the falling away. The word, Greek word, is where we get the word apostasy. Apostasy is entirely different from somebody who is backsliding. It's backsliding. Apostasy means that you have willfully turned your back and gone in the other direction and you have rejected Christ wholesale. That's apostasy. Totally different from somebody who has backslidden. So this verse is not saying that if you've backslidden, you cannot then come back to God and then be restored once again into the fold of God. So the, um, the listener had said, how does this add up then to the prodigal son? Good question, because we need to harmonize scripture with scripture to get the full context of what God's heart is on any matter. And so when you read about the prodigal son, it is very evident that this man was in the father's house, knew his father, squandered all the grace and goods of his father, turned away, and then came to his senses, came back and was restored. If that's not the picture of a backslider, I don't know what else is. But it, it, here we find that God's heart is, even if you backslide, you come back to him. You look in 1 John, it says something to the effect of like, uh, 
We, I say this to you, children, that you sin not, but if you sin, not when you sin, but if you sin, in the unfortunate event that you sin, he said, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Does that sound like God is holding people off at arm's length and saying, no, you sinned. You've fallen back into a life of sin again. Sorry, there's no hope for you. It's impossible to renew you unto repentance again. No. So the prodigal son, I believe, teaches that if you have turned away from the father and you have backslidden in some way and you're back into a life of sin and you come to your senses and you go back to God in repentance and faith, you'll be restored. What Hebrews is saying is if you're going to reject the only means of your salvation and you're going to go back to the law, it is impossible for you if you have apostatized to renew you again unto repentance seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame, meaning that you reject Jesus Christ the only way that you can have salvation. You've rejected him, okay? So if you reject him, and I said this in the beginning, and all of the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but you've already made up your mind that you've rejected him and he's not the way, What? where are, where are you going? The only thing that remains is a certain fearful looking for a judgment. I believe that's in later in the book of Hebrews speaking that, maybe Hebrews 10 or so. Um, but there's nothing left for you. There remains no more sacrifice for sin because you've rejected the sacrifice. But you, dear listener, if you are concerned about your spiritual life, that you've backslidden and you want to get back to God, it already shows that you've not rejected Christ as these have, as, as these have apostatized. In fact, your heart is so tender that you want God. You're looking for a way back to him. And in that, you have not apostatized. You have not committed the impardonable sin. But what you have done is you have come to a place of godly sorrow. You can come to God. You can repent. You can be the prodigal son turned back to God and be restored inside of God's family. You can come back to his fold. So I hope this helps you to understand this a little better. If it doesn't help you to understand and you still have more questions, please put those down in the comments below and maybe we can continue a dialogue. Maybe I could make a further video explaining some of these things, but do not stop going toward God just because you backslid. All the more flee to God. If your heart is that desire, then you you haven't rejected Christ. If you rejected Christ, you would have no tender love or, or tender regard to try and come back to him but you are in a savable state right now because you want God and you're making advances toward him. I want to encourage you to give your heart to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to continue to seek and press in and not be discouraged. Until next time, join the resistance, God's resistance. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or visit us at godsresistance.com email us, get in touch with us. We would love to get a coffee with you. We'd love to talk. Also, we're out in the Wilkesbury Public Square every Wednesday at 5 p.m. and every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. and we hope to see you there.